0: You can also check us out online by going to ouravenuechurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Let's jump in. Week four, last sermon on this series, Asking for a Friend. Has it been a good one? I've had some good, good feedback, and it may actually be a series that we do annual, annually. Like every year, I may bring this series back and give you guys an opportunity to ask other questions. Last week, we looked at um, why does God allow bad things to happen, but even more so, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And we kind of landed on the conclusion that it's not necessarily knowing why the bad things happen but it's how we respond in the middle of the bad because knowing why something bad happened is not going to undo that most of the time. But how we respond in those situations and in those seasons that are hard, that are heartbreaking, that are discouraging, that are uncomfortable, how we respond in those seasons has the potential, depending on our heart, attitude, and actions, to bring God glory. And that's ultimately what he wants. And then as we do that, it also has the potential to give that bad thing that maybe the enemy intended for harm to give it a new and better purpose. And so today we're gonna look at the flip side of that because there are bad seasons in life, but then there are good seasons in life. And so the question I'm gonna ask and answer today is why is it oftentimes easy? Why do we forget about God when everything is going good in our life. Because it is one thing when things are like just not going well to run to God. But I found in my own personal life, like when things are going good, that is when my quiet time slips. That's when my spiritual discipline slip. And if I wasn't a past in our routines and we think, even though we don't cognitively on purpose think we need God, we start to stray just a little bit. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so I want to help us that that maybe if we find ourselves in that situation, we're, we're able to think, okay, things are going really good right now. Um, I don't want to forget about God. And I don't want you to get to a point where everything's going good. And then you don't realize you've strayed from God until things are going bad again. So but first, I want you to want all of us to come to the agreement and understand that every good thing that we have in life comes from God. No matter if you are highly talented, skilled, you maybe call it luck, everything that you have comes from God. James, the brother of Jesus, reminds us this in James chapter 1. He says, Whatever is good, and perfect is a gift coming down from heaven, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father. And we've all been there at times. Um, we we go through cycles of life where things are really, really tough and we find ourselves crying out to God, we find ourselves drawing near to God, like there's even been times where I didn't really know where to start and I pray that Holy Spirit prayer in the middle of a situation, God give me a word and We do that and we're just like, that's God. Like, like we're desperately seeking God in those moments, right? Like we're fasting, we're praying, we're setting our alarm and we're waking up at 4.30 and then things start to go good and we're not as dedicated, then things get a little bit better. We're not as dedicated, things get a little bit better and then we're nowhere near as dedicated. That is a cycle that we go through and God understands this in our fallen nature and he spoke this over the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you want to turn there, he spoke this over the Israelites before they went into their promised land. So you have to understand they had been um, enslaved for hundreds of years doing whatever Pharaoh and his foremans had told them to do, had been eating whatever the Egyptians gave them to eat. They woke up when the Egyptians told them to wake up. They went to bed when the Egyptians told them to go to bed. They were living on their schedule and, and were not living a life of freedom. Then God brings them out of bondage and is on a journey taking them to the promised land, the land that not only was for them, but it was a land that was promised to... Um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their ancestors. So in chapter six, verse 10, the Lord says this through Moses. He says, the Lord, your God, will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he begins to to describe the land. He says, it is a land with large prosperous cities that you didn't build. So he's saying, I'm taking you into this land and everything in the land is going to be yours. And so there's these large, prosperous cities that you didn't build, they're gonna be yours. The houses that you're gonna live in, which you didn't build, are gonna be richly stocked with goods that you didn't make. So imagine that, like how many of you have like moved in the last year, all right? It is like a pain. How great would it be just to move into the house and everything's already there? And it's like not even stuff you had to buy. It's not even stuff you had to move. It was just like like a ready-made house, <laughs> right? You just walk into it. It's, that's what God is saying that the Israelites are going to experience. You're gonna walk into the house and everything that is in there is stuff you didn't have to purchase, you didn't have to make. The worst part is the shopping. Like if you bought furniture in the last year, you know the pain. It's like you, 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 you wanna find a better deal then you find something else. They're walking in and everything is already laid for them. It says you will draw water out of cisterns that you did not dig and you will eat from vineyards out of olive trees that you did not plant. And we read that, not really taken into consideration, like we just go to the faucet and turn a knob and water is already there. Whenever you moved into a new settlement, they had to actually dig wells and they didn't have drills, like they had to dig. And so we see it as not that big of a deal, but that is a lot of work that is being missed and they're just gonna walk in and go to the fridge and put the cup up against the water dispenser and it's there. They're not having to dig out the cisterns. He says, you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful. Look at your neighbor and say, be careful. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Now, it was going to be especially challenging for the children of Israel um, to not forget because they are walking into everything that they could want or need without having to do anything for it. Um, the only things that they would have to do is they would have to walk in obedience to the Lord and then they were gonna have to fight some battles. I was like, oh, that's the only thing. That is much easier than having to go into a new territory, fight battles and build a nation. The nation is already there. They just have to fight the battles and be obedient. And I heard Rick Warren say, just in studying for this, that more people are destroyed because of their successes than because of their struggles. And so what God is warning them is like, look, you're about to be very successful. You're going to have things that you didn't work for, and you have to be careful that you are not destroyed as a result. And, and even as I make that statement and we think about those that, that were maybe um, pushed into the spotlight too soon or maybe they couldn't handle fame, they couldn't handle success, You know, we automatically think of like prominent artists and musicians or athletes who were thrust into the spotlight and and we see their struggles and we think that is what destroyed them. But it was actually their inability to handle success in the right way that destroyed them. Is, is they begin to take on the identity that came with that success, and they lost who they originally were. And God is reminding the children of Israel, don't lose who you are in your success. And sometimes, because of that, our, our greatest test of faith, honestly, is not found in our struggles, but it's found in our successes. It's like, how does that make sense? Because it's in our struggles for those of us who are following Jesus, we tend to draw a little bit closer to him. We know that he's there. We know that we need him just to make it through the day. But it's in our successes that we tend to draw away and we begin to think, I can do this myself. We've been to, we, we, we begin to think that, that I have the strength to do this. And so God, how many of you know that those of us who are parents would feel like we have to say the same thing over and over and over and over. And if you read from the, new to, or from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see God saying the same thing over and over and over just in different ways to new generations. Like I can't tell you how many times I say things that I heard my parents say that I said I would never say. And you know what? I heard them say it, and you know what they probably said when they heard it said the first time? I will never say what I heard my parents say because the truth gets passed on from generation to generation to generation. And so God reminds the children of Israel this. He says this again in Deuteronomy chapter eight. Um, I've got seven passages of scripture, so can you guys stick with me, right? All right, it says, when you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Look at your neighbor again and say, be careful. He says, when you've eaten your field, that's the time that you need to be careful Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, his regulations, his decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in and when your flocks and your herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. He says it again and again. Do not become proud at this time and forget the Lord your God. Because he is the one who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he is the one that led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with the poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. And it says, he gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness and food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. He says, no, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. And so the power and the success that we have is not of our own, but it's because he has given it to us. And he's saying, look guys, when you get to where I'm sending you, it's going to be good. Like, it's going to be better than good. It's going to be better than you've ever imagined. Scripture calls it as a land flowing with milk and honey. That it is everything that they could want or ask for already prepared. And he keeps saying over and over and over, be careful, be careful. And he makes the statement, he says, remember that it was in the wilderness that I rescued you. It was in the wilderness that I led you. It was in the wilderness that I provided. It was in the wilderness that I destroyed your enemy because here's what happens in these wilderness seasons. It's these wilderness seasons and experiences that help create a healthy perspective on our success. It's these seasons that, that we walk through, even though they're hard, God intends for us that when we get in the good seasons, we're able to look back and see his hand in those seasons. Guys, I can't tell you how many times like, like this whole church planning process, and one day I might stop telling church planning stories, but it's not today. There have been seasons where I just thought this isn't gonna happen, but now I'm on the other side of it, we're a year and a half, almost two years in, and we're baptizing for today. We're celebrating and we're worshiping. And and I have to constantly remember that it was God that was, was bringing us through that wilderness season of a pandemic and election woes and racial tension, all of that. He brought us through. I'm not saying he caused it, but he brought us through that to remind us who he is. Because now that I'm in my success, I was like, man, there's... Knowing me, there's no way I could have done that without his hand on me. But I don't want us to get comfortable here and forget what God did for us then. We talk about first world problems. Jennifer and I were talking in between services. Is in, in, in America, it's, it's really easy for us to get comfortable in thinking that everything we have, we've done ourselves. And you know, and when Jesus is, is teaching the disciples how to pray, and he says, give us this day our daily bread. And there are some nations and some countries and even some families within within Murfreesboro that, that as they pray that, like they're really, really asking for provision for today. Like they're not sure where their meal is gonna come from today. But but in our abundance, we lose that dependence on God and when we're not depending on him, that's when it's so easy to forget about him. And so what happens in that process? And so um, here's the truth I want you to know. It's not always the bad things that we do that keep us from following Jesus, but it's the good things that we have. That, that sometimes it's not always the bad things that we do that keep us from falling, but it's the good things because they distract us. They take our focus off him. There's all these, all these different things. And so I used the examples this morning and, and it caught some folks off guard. It's like, you know, sometimes the worst thing to happen to you isn't not getting the promotion. But I've seen it that sometimes the worst thing that could happen to you is actually getting the promotion. Like how does that, I, I want you guys to be successful, I want you to be wealthy, but not at the expense of forgetting who gave you that success. And sometimes the worst thing to happen is not not getting the raise, but it could be getting the raise because what happens is you know we spend the money on toys or we spend the money on extra houses, vacation homes. You can invite me to your vacation home if you have one, right? But we don't allow these this wealth, and I don't even mean just financial things, but but wealth of influence to distract us from the things of God financial wealth to distract us from the things of God. Notoriety and position and place and titles and all that, if we're not careful, it will distract us from the things of God. And so what we do in the midst of our success, in complete honesty, we talked about the bad things last week, but what we do in the midst of our success is just as important as what we do in the midst of our struggles. Because what we do in the midst of our success, whether we're flourishing financially, whether everything is going right, whether all of our relationships, what we do in the midst of that is just as important as what we do when we're in the valley. Who we praise when we're on the mountain peak is just as important as who we're crying out for when we're in the valley. And so many times we're crying out when we're in the valley, but we forget to praise when we're on the mountain. And what's happened is we've built an altar to other things, And we're worshiping at that altar, whether it's finances, whether it's job, whatever. And that doesn't happen on purpose sometimes. A lot of times it's unintentionally that it happens. And here's how it happens. The first thing is this, is our lives become preoccupied. It's when we have success and when everything's going well, or maybe we're not having any issues, our life becomes consumed. Our time and our energy and our attention that maybe we were giving to the things of God begins to go in other directions. And that can happen like within our personal devotion, when we really were seeking God through prayer and fasting and Bible reading, because we really, really needed him. When things are going well, we get preoccupied with all the other things. And even in corporate devotion, that I wanna be at church every Sunday, like God, if you get me out of this, I'm gonna be at church every Sunday, I'll come to two services. Right, I will serve at two service. I'll be there every time the doors are open. And then once things start going well, I've seen it. I've been doing ministry long enough now. I see it that as people start to grow in their wealth and grow in their influence and grow in their businesses and things are going well in their life, we start seeing them at church less. And I heard a pastor say one time, like the more you miss church, the easier it becomes to miss church. And don't miss me on this. I'm not just saying on Sunday mornings, like I love Sunday mornings, it's my favorite. But you start disconnecting yourself from the body of Christ. And when you start disconnecting yourself from the body, you're just like any other limb on our natural body. If, if any one of our limbs are disconnected from the body, that limb begins to deteriorate, rot and die. And when we disconnect ourselves from the from the spiritual body, the same thing happens to us. And it happens to all of us. We get preoccupied in seasons. And then the second thing is this is, so the next phase is, is our attitude becomes presumptuous. That's like a $5 word. You can use that in your staff meeting tomorrow or in conversation and people think you're really smart, but it's really, it starts with a P. That's why I used it. And it also means what I wanted it to mean. What I was looking for is we begin to take success and we begin to take things for granted. We begin like just to take things for granted. We forget that we didn't have it. Like how many things do we have now that maybe we didn't have five years ago or even last year and we take it for granted and we begin to use it without any kind of regards or regulations to what is proper and what is good and what is edifying for us. And we begin to have this attitude um, that the gift will always be there that it's always gonna be there. So we're gonna do with it whatever we want. We become presumptuous. And we see this a couple of times with the children of Israel. When they're in the wilderness, right? And they've been traveling for a while and they're hungry and they start complaining about the food that they used to have in Egypt. It's like, oh, if we were just back in Egypt, then we would have all the leeks and potatoes and onions, but now we have nothing. And so God provides manna for them. We read like God provides food for them. But he gives them some direction and some stipulations. He says, look, only get enough food for what you need for your family for that day. Don't get extra. But they begin to get presumptuous and they take a stockpile. They get all that they need for that day and tomorrow and the next day, even though God told them not to do that. And when they wake up the next morning, those of you who know the story, the manna that they had tried to save was rotten and smelt and full of maggots, right? All they needed was for that day. But it's like some of us, we will bring home leftovers. We will order more food than what we need at the restaurant and we will bring home leftovers and we'll put them in the fridge only to throw them away like a week later. It's like, I'm gonna bring them home. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm gonna save it because I don't wanna waste it now. I'll just throw it away later. So they, instead of just being obedient, and taking enough food for the day, they were presumptuous. And we see it again later on. It's like, all we ever eat is this manna. All we ever eat is this manna. I wish we had some meat. God sent them some meat. It was enough that they choked on it and died. But what are some things in your life, <laughs> it's like you really did, like you're going to have meat to eat for days. And while, read, read the story. While they were eating it, they they choked to death with with meat was, was a quail is what it was, is because they were taking the manna for granted, right? What things in your life is the attitude that you're starting to have a little presumptuous, that it's always gonna be there? And guys, can I tell you, we even do that with God? It's like, he's always gonna be there, but it's not in a boldness and a confident thing. It's in a negligence way. It's like, he's always gonna be there for me, right? We begin to even have a presumptuous attitude about him Our hearts become prideful. It's kind of the next stage. We are preoccupied, then we're presumptuous, and then we take another step even further. It's like we become prideful. We're we're begging. We're beginning to believe that we deserve it. Um, Or maybe we deserve even more than what we have now. And I don't want you guys to miss this. I don't want you to think that I'm saying I don't want you to be successful and, and wealthy. I want us to keep our heart in the right place, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. And so if we're not careful, we see time and time again with the children, children of Israel, they begin to get prideful. That can happen to you and I thinking that we deserve the next promotion, we deserve the next raise, we deserve for everything to go right, bless God, because I'm a child of God, but that is pride. And then the last thing that happens is our worship becomes polluted. Is instead of worshiping our God, we begin worshiping the things that he's given us. And it happens so unintentionally and oftentimes without knowing it. um, We begin to worship the good things that we have and to do everything that we can to hold on to them. And this is where it gets scary. Things come in seasons. Solomon talks about there is a season for everything. And when our worship gets polluted and we begin to worship the gifts of God instead of God himself, when the time for that gift, that season has ended, we try to hold on to it and we will do whatever we can to stay in that season, to stay in that successful moment and we begin to worship that instead of the God who gave it to us. So we have to be careful that our worship doesn't get polluted again. Please hear me. I want to make sure that there's nothing wrong with raises and promotions, but I want us to keep our hearts in the right place. So what's the remedy? Three very obvious things, but we fail to do it. Give God the glory is the first one. Give God the glory. Moses tells the children of Israel this in verse 20 of chapter 8 in Deuteronomy. He says, in the future... He says, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, these decrees, these regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord, come on. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He, the Lord, brought us out of Egypt so he could give us the land he had sworn to give us what Moses is saying, look, when your kids ask questions about why we're doing all this stuff, why are we continuing to pray and fast? Why are we continuing to go to church? Why are we continuing to follow God's ways? He's saying it's because the Lord brought us out of slavery, brought me out of my sin. The Lord has provided everything that we have in our life. That's why we are doing that. We're giving God the glory in those things. And so we welcome it. Look at me, listen, we welcome those things but we don't just welcome and put it in our pocket and walk away. We welcome it and projecting the glory back to God. We talk about, like I used to be real insecure about talking about the things God was doing in my life because I didn't want to seem like proud, prideful and braggadocious, but guess what that was? That was Prideful. <laughs> because I was worried about what people were going to be thinking about me instead of what they were going to think about my God. And so now I never miss an opportunity. So that's why I say that you're going to hear church planting stories until I'm no longer here probably, because I've seen the goodness of God that he's brought us through. And when I fail to stop talking about those miracles, then I run the risk of thinking I did this. And so we have to constantly be giving God the credit. Talk about it as often pointing it back to God. The second thing is this, is cultivate a heart of gratitude. Man, gratitude is just a incredible antidote. First Chronicles 16 says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing to him praises, tell everyone about his wonderful de- deeds. There is actually a psychological and medical proof that shows an attitude of gratitude actually changes the wiring in our brain. Like when we start our day and end our day in moments of gratitude, it, it begins to change our outlook on life. And it, it, it takes um, what we might see as not enough and changes it more to being more than enough. If you are grateful more for the relationships in your life, you begin to appreciate those relationships even more. If you're grateful for the things that God has given you, I promise what you're also doing is you're also making room for him to bring about even more. Because if we're not grateful with what he's already done in our life, why would he give us anything else? Like how many of us that are parents, we've given our kids things and they were ungrateful and what do we say under our breath? Not giving you anything else, right? But we do because we're good parents. But as we're grateful for what God has done for us, it reminds us of his goodness. Because it's in moments... um, that, that we need to be remind, reminded. The last thing is this, is we need to live a life of generosity. And that is holding everything open-handed, loosely. Paul tells Timothy this in chapter six. Um, he says this, he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. True life comes from living a life of generosity. And we know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he, what, gave. And a lot of times pastors will use that just so that you will give financially. I'm not saying just so that you give financially, but I'm saying that you would give out of the abundance of everything in your life. If God has given you influence in areas, then we should not hoard and hold on to that influence, but we should be generous with that. If God has given you extra time in your life, can I borrow some of that, please? No, if God has given you extra time, be generous with that. The gifts that God has given us are not just for us, but as we are generous with those, um, it reminds us that they're not ours. We are to hold everything loosely. There's a proverb that says, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, but the world of the generous gets bigger and And bigger and we serve a big God, a big, generous God. And the more that we are generous, the greater our worlds expand as well. And so some of you may be in the bad seasons. Some of you may be in the good season where it's like everything's going okay. Some of you are maybe just in between, but the greatest thing that we can do in that is just keep looking up, giving God the glory, thanking him for what he's done, what he is doing being generous with what he's given us. There's a story in the New Testament that Jesus tells in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's in three of the four gospels. And you've probably heard this story of the rich young ruler. Jesus just finished his teaching and this guy comes running. And it says that, that he, you know, we picture it that he's in the crowd and then he asks the question. But the gospels actually say that he ran up to Jesus. And so he saw Jesus. And from a distance, he heard him teaching and he, he, he ran up in a sense of urgency, maybe even. And he says, Lord, what, what good must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus gives him some of the commandments. He says, obey your father and mother. He says, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't do some of these things. And the young man looks at Jesus and he says, I've, I've done all of these I've obeyed all of these commandments. What else must I do? And in Matthew, it says, Jesus told him, listen, if you, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. Verse 22, and, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all say this. It says, but when the young man heard this, he went away. But it says he went away sad because he had many possessions. it's was like, why did, he, why did he go away sad? I think, just my interpretation of scripture is that he felt like he was having to give up everything he had worked for. Everything he had earned. Since says, he had many possessions. But what he didn't realize is those possessions had actually taken possession of him he didn't have those things. Those things had him because he was unwilling to give them up to experience a life of following Jesus. And that's, that's really like, we need to be at a place when everything is good. We need to be at a place to be willing to give that up to follow Jesus. Because my prayer a lot of time has been when I'm in the valley and everything's going bad. It's like, Jesus, you can have it all if you just... But would we be willing when everything is going great to say, Jesus, you can have it. And I want to follow you even then. He walked away sad. And I just think about like everything that he missed. Every like healing that he missed, missing like getting a front row seat to seeing Lazarus raised from the raised from the dead, miss seeing him walk on what like he could have had an up close view of everything, but instead he held on to his possessions. I want us as a church like even even for me like pastoring a church. I don't want to get caught up and allow Avenue Church and the success that we have had, are having, and will have to think it's something that I've done or something that you have done, but it is everything that God has done, right? And so even in our good times, when we're on the mountaintop, we're going to acknowledge his greatness. Let me pray for us. Father, I come to you this morning. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, that is so undeserved in so many areas of our life and God, there may be some of us in this room that we're on that slow fade, that things are just kind of going well. We're just coasting along. There's no great trauma or struggles right now, but God, we're in danger. Some of us may be in danger. And I just say, just be careful. God, help us just to, to be careful that when everything is going well, that we don't forget you. God, we... We open our hands to receive every blessing that you have for us. We will acknowledge that it is from you, that it comes from you, but we want to turn it back to you. Because if it weren't for you, we would have nothing. We wouldn't have it. So God, help us to trust you with little. Help us to acknowledge you with much. God I just pray right now that you would just give us opportunities to to prove your goodness. God I pray for an increase in this room. Financially, God I pray for an increase, with influence, with business, with education. God, I just pray for an increase. God that we would use it for your glory. God that we would use it for your kingdom. God I pray for open doors. And God that we would use it to point everyone to you we would use it to influence those around us for your kingdom out of generosity and we would just remember your goodness and God if there's anyone in this room today that does not have a relationship with you God maybe they felt something stirring or moving and they didn't know what it was it's your spirit God it's your spirit moving in them and right where they're seated they just God I pray they would just simply say Jesus I give you my life It's not all that's gonna be said, but it's the start of a lifelong conversation, God, that, that even as they're talking with you right now, God, you're forgiving their sins as far as the East is from the West, never to remember them again. God, all the old is gone. All things are made new as they come into relationship with you. Father, we thank you for that. God, we celebrate that. We acknowledge your goodness all of our days. In Jesus' name, everyone says. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that.